Healthy besties, welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. So excited for today's episode. Meanwhile, I am sitting here 38 and a half weeks pregnant, which is just insane. I cannot believe my due date is, I mean, I'm trying to think, next Friday. Yeah, my due date's next Friday. Wow, it's really crept up on us. I am trying to relax best that I can. I'm not filming anymore. I have all of my recipes batched, ready to go. So don't worry about missing my content. Things and recipes are still going to be posted when I have the babe. And I'm just trying to stay calm and relax. I feel like the baby won't be able to enter into the world unless I'm calm and relaxed and like he knows that he can make his entrance in like a very calm environment. So I'm trying to do everything I can to kind of stay zen. Everything from getting prenatal massages, which I got today and was lovely. I'm, again, not like working like crazy and standing on my feet all day cooking like I normally do. I'm like doing computer work and sitting down. I'm also focusing on labor prep, like having a ton of raspberry leaf tea. I'm eating all my dates. I'm bouncing on my exercise ball. I'm having a ton of pineapple. If you guys are interested in more like labor prep tips, let me know. Shoot me an Instagram DM or something. I can always do an episode on that. But I'm basically just waiting here with Ari for the baby to arrive Hopefully, maybe when the next episode airs, the baby will be here. Let's cross our fingers. But I'm really trying not to be impatient about the whole thing. I just, I want to stay calm and I want to just be patient because I've already waited nine and a half months. So what's another couple weeks? And honestly, I'm just trying to honor this time and appreciate this time that I have with Ari. It's the last couple weeks that we have, just the two of us. And then we literally are responsible for another person for the rest of his life. So that's on that, but I don't want to spend too much time on the on the intro. I want to tell you about our guest for the day because she is incredible and I'm obsessed with her. Today we have my friend Clara on the podcast. She is a lifestyle influencer and content creator. She provides so much motivation for how to streamline your life. If you need inspiration for cleaning, menu planning, organizing your life, getting your life together, making yourself a workout schedule, if you need tips for how to grocery shop on a budget, time batching, how to be more productive and making the most of your time, Clara's your girl. Like she posts all kinds of things, all kinds of free content that really help you to get your life together. So we all need a little motivation once in a while when we feel like we need a life reset. You know, you know, when you just feel like you're unorganized, you're not in a good routine, you're maybe eating unhealthy, you aren't keeping your place clean, you're not being productive while you're working from home, and you feel like you just need that life reset and you're like, okay, I need to get my shit together. Clara, for me, is that source of inspiration. Like when I go to her account, she just inspires me to make my life better and to get myself organized in every way. And I told her that and she is going to share all of her wisdom with you. So 
sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. But just quickly, a little reminder. If you haven't yet pre-ordered the Healthy Girl Kitchen cookbook, make sure to do that. My book comes out May 16th, but if you pre-order the book first, you get priority on shipping. So if you don't know, I wrote a cookbook. All of the recipes are 100% plant-based, of course, wouldn't have it any other way. They're all gluten-free optional if you're a gluten-free girly. They're all healthy. All the recipes make you feel amazing. They taste so good, of course. You know I'm a foodie. The recipes taste good. But they're designed to be well-balanced, so they have protein, healthy fats, healthy carbs. They're made with real whole ingredients. So the recipes actually make you feel good and will help you to regain your health. If you don't know my story, when I first went plant-based, I lost 20 pounds. My chronic heartburn went away. I used to have really bad hormonal acne. I used to be super fatigued all the time. And when I went plant-based, I just my life changed, my health changed. And I literally had never felt healthier than when I switched to a plant-based diet. So you know I love teaching you the secrets to making the best, healthiest plant-based meals. So make sure to get a copy of the book. And I really picture you using it as your healthy eating and cooking plant-based Bible. And I'll put the link in the show notes. But yeah, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Clara. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I know. Well, we were just saying we feel like we've like hung out and talked before, but social media kind of does that to you where you feel like, you know, you're watching people's videos all the time, people's stories, you feel like you know them, but I'm so excited to finally hang out and talk and talk all things like productivity, organization, because you are the expert. I'm so excited. Yeah, I consider anyone that I've DM'd with more than two times, I consider you a friend. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I'm always like, I feel like I respond to all of your stories. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> your your bed looks so good. Oh my God, you're the most organized person ever. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm, oh, we're always DMing and talking. And I was like, I have to get you on the podcast. So thanks for coming on. Um, I wanted to start with your childhood because someone as organized and someone with like their life together as much as you have it, I want to know like how things started for you. Like were your parents a role model for you in that way? Like, like were they super organized? That's so interesting. No one's ever kind of taken it back that far. I don't even think I've thought about it that far back. Um, trying to think, I feel like I grew up in a household with two parents that both worked, so that kind of contributed to, like, the dynamic of the household, obviously. I I don't really know if a lot of my habits – I will say growing up, if you walked – I have a sister, first of all. Let me start there. I am not an only child. I have a sister. We are not close in adulthood. We really weren't close in childhood either, Um, but I do have a sister, so – thinking back to just the dynamic of both of our bedrooms being next to each other in the hallway when we were younger, if you walked past them both at the same time at any given day, her room would be pristine and my room would look like an absolute tornado went off. And that was just the ongoing joke. My mom was the type of mom that if people were coming over, it was the whole clean your room. And you know, the question that the the kids are always like, why why am I cleaning my room? Like they're not going to be up here. But I I get it because now I'm like the whole house needs to feel clean, even like those tiny corners that no one's going to see. 
Um, but yeah, growing up, I was definitely the tornado and she was the pristine, clean, organized child. And I feel like in adulthood, I haven't been to her apartment in a while or seen it. So maybe she's still like that, but it's definitely switched for me. And I think that change kind of came from, um, maybe in college was about the time when I started being more organized. And I think it came from being organized in like a time management sense, like having to manage my own schedule and then in turn moving off campus and living in my own apartment. I had a roommate in college. Um, the most, I only ever had one roommate. I know a lot of people that had like five or six roommates, but I only ever really had one roommate and our schedules didn't really overlap much. So we were in the kitchen at the same time. So it kind of did give the illusion of almost living on my own, but still having the roommate there. And I think that's kind of when my organization and like cleaning habits kind of picked up because I realized I have to pick up after myself. My mom wasn't the type to pick up after us, but if I didn't want to live in my super messy, hectic bedroom and also be studying in there and also be working from there, I was the only one that was going to be able to change that, obviously. So I think once I started living on my own and was the only person accountable to the cleaning is when it really picked up in the organization too. And I really like to thrift shop. That was like a huge thing. I'm still like, I love to thrift, but it was a huge, huge thing for me in college, if you know me then. So that came through in like home decor too. So I think once I was like scouring for like the best couch deal on Facebook marketplace or cool art, I just started taking more pride in my own home and in my own space because I was the only one directly contributing to it. So I think it was more so college Clara that evolved into the Clara that you know and see online more so than childhood Clara. So you were kind of forced into being organized. You're like, okay, I'm an adult now. I need to like get my act together. I live alone. Well, with a roommate, but you live without your parents and you're kind of like, okay, there's no cleaning lady here cleaning my room in my house. So I need to get my stuff together. Are you, yeah. are you the youngest? Yes, I am the youngest. Okay. I feel like sometimes, well, a lot of the time, the oldest growing up is a bit more organized and the youngest one's like a little bit more of like the free spirit. Who's kind of like all over the place. And then like when they get older, things kind of even out. But I was I'm the oldest and like it was the opposite. Like if you walked past my room, it was like super clean, super organized, smelled like I had a candle going. I was all about like even in like middle school, like I always was about like the feng shui of my room and the ambiance. And then you go past my brother's room. It's like a literal disaster. Smells like a boy. So gross. And my mom's like, I don't understand how I raised both of you because this is just like such a juxtaposition. Um, so I, I understand, but were you, I also want to know, were you a good student? Yes, I was, um, I don't think I was even more gifted in like one area than the other. I was, it was just instilled from a very young age that A's were like the only thing that were acceptable in my household. So whether or not I was good at the subject, I had to find a way to be good at it, whether that was like studying or tutoring, um, yeah, A's were the only thing that were acceptable. So by default, whether or not I would have been a good student and get good grades on my own, that definitely put the pressure on me. So I graduated um, and I ended up taking, which this didn't really reflect in, this wasn't really something that was exclusive to like higher performing students at my school, but I did 
dual enrollment classes in high school. So my senior year of high school, I think this is like more common now, but you can take your high school course load, but through your community college. So your classes that you're taking were counting towards your high school diploma, but they could also transfer to any school. But specifically because I was in a Virginia high school and I went to a Virginia college, they transferred very smoothly, very nicely. Like they were, um, they knocked out a lot of my gen ed. So I skipped a year of college. But again, I don't really think that was a reflection of um, like aptitude, if that's the right word. I think it was just um, like an opportunity. And I wanted the, um, I, I didn't even really realize at the time that I would be getting ahead in college, but I wanted the change of routine because in my senior year of college or in my senior year of high school, I was able to take classes from like 9 a.m. to 11, and then I would have a break until 3 to 5, and then I had an evening class. Like, you genuinely had like more of a college schedule, but you were still a high schooler. And that just really appealed to me because then I could work different shifts at my part time job that other people weren't able to, and I could have days off and afternoons off and go explore and go thrift shop or whatever I was doing at the time. So, yeah, I was a good student, um, but I don't. I don't know if I would have naturally been one if it wasn't for like the parental intervention and all the flashcards and stuff. We were a big flashcard at dinner family. I don't know if that's how you grew up or if you know what that environment is like, but. So it sounds like your parents had high expectations for you. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. So I think that probably kind of molded you into who you are today. If like you were constantly held at a very high standard, your parents wanted you to perform at your best. I really think that that has an impact on people. I always like to ask, like, I think people's childhood and their parents and how they were treated, it really like translates into their adult life. So that makes sense that you like, you were held to a really high standard. And now it's, it sounds like you kind of hold yourself to a high standard as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely see, um, in hindsight, looking back where, I wish I wasn't held at such a high standard. So I think I give myself grace in places where I didn't used to. Um, But yeah, it is, it's definitely interesting. And then I also see even within my close adult friendships, I feel like a lot of my closest friends, their childhood and their family dynamic like mimics my own, whether or not I even realize that from the start of our friendship or just as we become closer friends, I'm like, oh, maybe that's why we gravitate towards each other is because we had these like unspoken similar experiences that we're just now unpacking together yeah my my parents always told me like try your best and as long as you tried your best then like we're happy with that so I feel like that's like a pretty like uh, like they weren't too strict about school but I think because I always was organized and I did well so they didn't have to worry too much about me but if I ever like did poorly they're like did you try your best like did you genuinely study your hardest for this test or work your hardest on this project and I've said if I said yes they're like okay then like we can't say anything further um and that's how that's kind of how I was in school but I want to I want to talk about college a little what so you what did you major in again I majored in advertising and advertising. So were you, cause that obviously relates to now what you do on social media. Did you have any like inkling that this is what you'd be doing? No, no. I have always watched YouTubers. Like when all my friends were watching Netflix or I don't know, Glee or whatever the show was when I was in high school, I was watching YouTube 
And it was back in the area era of, I'm sure, being the YouTuber was weird, but also kind of watching YouTube was a little bit odd. Like, I would reference someone that I watch on YouTube, and I would be speaking to a friend who had no idea people even posted videos like that on YouTube. And then I was like, oh, am I even kind of weird for being the audience of this person? I don't know. Um, so I always watched YouTube growing up, always was kind of interested and definitely a consumer of, like, influencer content. And... I, I think that contributed to my desire for a marketing degree. I also just always been like a very creative minded person. Forget if that's like the right or the left side of your brain, but I've just always been very creative and crafty and always doing like DIY stuff. And I think that kind of relates to like creating content and filming and editing and all that. So I wanted to go into marketing and I originally started as a marketing major thinking that that was the major that I would need to be the person like coming up with the cool advertisements and doing all like the cool stuff. And then I was in my first marketing class and we were talking about all these like numbers and math and like analytics and stuff. And I was like, okay, but when, when in my curriculum am I going to get to these fun, cool, creative classes? And like the person next to me was like, that's an advertising major. Like you're not in the right classes whatsoever. So I switched my major from marketing to advertising and that's where I kind of flex more of that creative muscle, like designing ads and participating in like advertising competitions. I joined my college's ad club. That was so much fun. I made so many of my good friends through that, that we're still connected like to this day. Um, but yeah, I, I think that my, my desire to be involved in the influencer space was always there, but I always thought it would be on the professional side of things. Like I thought I was going to be, honestly, I thought, and I mean, to this day, it's still like it's such a cool job to me. I thought my job was going to be, oh, I want to work for a brand and I want to go out and I want to find the talent for them. Like I want to find the influencers. Never once in my mind did I even think that it was possible for me to be on the actual talent side of things. And I think that a lot of people probably had that mentality prior to TikTok kind of blowing up because the sentiment surrounding becoming an influencer, once people realized that be being an influencer or being a content creator was an actual viable career option, I feel like a lot of people had the mentality that the ship has sailed. Like, oh, the odds of me posting on YouTube and being recognized now, like the ship has sailed. Everyone who's going to be an influencer is already an influencer. There's no way that this me posting and using these hashtags is actually going to result in growth. Because prior to TikTok, there was really no platform that would present your content to new audiences at the rate that TikTok does. So up until TikTok, and even up until in the past year, I didn't think that it was viable to become an influencer in this day and age. I thought that all the, the rosters were full, no one else could get on it. And if you wanted to, you were going to have to dedicate crazy, crazy amounts of time, quit your job and just go all in on it. And I think TikTok really like leveled that playing field. And I graduated with an advertising degree. And then I worked a nine to five in a government tech sales job. I actually ran webinars. So there's probably some webinar with me speaking on it about Adobe whatever online if you want to go find it. It's, I'm sure it's riveting. But I worked that job. And then while I was at that job, I realized this is not creative enough. I want to be doing Instagram feeds. I want to be designing pretty things. So I started working a part-time internship at a marketing agency. So I was working my 
nine to five. And then I had this internship at the same time at this marketing agency. Really, really loved that. And then there was an opportunity to go full time with the marketing agency and leave the nine to five and that become my nine to five. So I moved to this marketing agency. And then while I was at the agency, because I was the youngest one there, whenever there was a question on TikTok, it would just come to me because, oh, that's the Gen Zer. But I mean, I didn't know more about TikTok than the next person on the app because I wasn't posting on it. So I started posting on TikTok kind of just as a creative outlet, but also kind of as like a professional experiment, because when people ask me which ad did I think was going to perform best on the platform, the only way I could really answer that is if I was doing my own kind of A-B testing on the platform. So started posting on TikTok and then I started gaining a following on TikTok and I didn't really know how to monetize that or like what the possibilities for monetization were. And then I grew to, I don't remember my exact following when I realized that this was actually like a valid income stream. Um, But then I started working with an agent. So I obviously tell her my dream brands and she goes out and like fights for me and like tells them how much I love them and like tries to get them to work with me. So it took a while to realize that I could be on this side of the fence, but it is crazy because I always pictured myself working in this industry, but I thought that I would be the one writing the emails, not the one replying to them, which is insane to me. For sure. And I, I mean, I feel the same way in that it's hard. Like sometimes there's like this imposter syndrome of like, wait, me and like people want to follow my life and people care about the things I'm doing and all these amazing brands want to work with me. And like, obviously brands pay a lot of money to be featured on successful social media channels. So, well, maybe give everyone kind of a summary of the kind of content you post. I, Oh, that's a good question. I just post about, I would say general lifestyle. So I'll post my, I do a weekly cleaning. So I started posting my Sunday reset and that kind of became a pillar of my content. And it's something that people like expect from me. So I post cleaning content in the context of like my Sunday reset. I'm not even like, people will ask me for tips on how to clean certain things. And I'm like, I'm not even like a huge cleaner. Like I couldn't tell you like how to clean, you know, your dishwasher. I don't know. I would just like watch a YouTube video or something. Like I'm not like a cleaning account in the way that you're going to learn like some cool hack or something. Um, but I show my weekly cleans. I show vlogs. I show, um, routine based content. I show get ready with me. I literally just anything that I'm doing in the day, I will just film it. And that's what I love most about the audience and the account that I've grown is because of the nature of my content, I never feel like I'm going extremely far out of my way to create content because anything and everything I'm doing is the content, which is a double-edged sword because then obviously if I want to just enjoy a night in, I'm in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, this would make such a cool video. Like, why aren't you filming it? So it does kind of have its um, drawbacks, but yeah, lifestyle content and... I guess I would just say lifestyle. I don't know. It's always interesting, just especially because you and I, we've chatted before, but just from someone who has like found me through the internet and consumed my content, like, is that what you would perceive my accounts to be? I always find it interesting because obviously I've been me for 23 years. Like I can't step back from this and look objectively. So I'm interested to hear like what you would categorize me as. I would agree with everything you said, but I think that a big aspect of it is 
motivational and people really like to be inspired. People want a role model. People want something to look towards where they're like, okay, this is going to inspire me to do X, Y, and Z because maybe they themselves have trouble doing it. So when you're posting cleaning mode, you're posting yourself cleaning and organizing, uh, people can say, I want my life to look like that. And that makes them want to follow you. And then you can serve as that inspiration, um, you know, for the future and, and on an, on a long-term basis. When you post your meal prep and all the recipes you're making for the week, the same thing. People are like, I wish I could meal prep like that. And I want to learn how to like be efficient with my time and like make recipes like her and plan my menu for the week. Same thing. So I think a big part of it is that you, you motivate people. I, I think that's like also one of the number one questions I get is like, how do I stay consistent? How do I stay motivated? And if you, if you can serve as that inspiration, people, I think people get addicted to it. And it really like once maybe they watch a couple of your videos and they see like, oh my God, she's cleaning, she's organizing, she's cooking, she's, you know, running errands, doing all these things. It then inspires someone to change their life and make some kind of productive switch in whatever they're doing. So I do think a big, a big part of your social media and a part of your videos is, is that motivation, which so many people need. And I, I want to get into that a little bit, starting with your menu planning. I think, well, I want to say, I actually have written down in my notes here when I was like prepping for this podcast, I'm like, you really post about how to streamline your life and whether you realize it or not, like you're showing you streamlining your own life and people want to do the same. So what I realized is you post a lot of menu planning, which is literally the most organized thing in the world. I'm a food blogger. I don't do that. Um, not even close. So when did, when did this whole menu planning thing start? Okay, this, I was trying to track it back too because I was trying to think about for how many years I've done this. And I definitely did this back in college. Um, my parents um, used to give me, it was out of my student loans. So looking back, <laughs> I'm paying them off. But they, my dad managed my the dispersal of my student loans because I should not have been left to my own devices. He was right there. So he would give me like an allotted amount of money for groceries for the month. And me being the savvy college student that I was, I realized, okay, if I can plan out my meals and I can shop the sales at Aldi, I can plan out all the recipes, I can find things that use overlapping ingredients. So I'm only buying one red onion instead of all these other ingredients. I realized that I could be extremely savvy with my grocery spending and pocket some of that extra grocery money when I could have just been eating out a lot. I could have been, but in my mind, I was like, no, the less you spend on groceries, the more you can spend that quote unquote grocery money on other things. So I think that's really where my menu planning obsession kind of took off. And then because I was in that budget mindset with the menu planning, when I graduated and took my first job, I was a making adult money. But in hindsight, I think my first job paid like $38,000, which sounded like a ton to me as like a, a college grad or like as a college kid. But then when I actually realized I had to live off that in Northern Virginia, which is like a very expensive, like high cost of living, I was like, okay, the menu planning has got to continue because I do not have this Whole Foods money that I thought I was going to have when I graduated. So 
the menu planning started in college. I used to go to Aldi every single week with my roommate and yeah, I was just so savvy. And it's funny because I know a lot of people compare grocery prices, especially with like the recent inflation. I I was like, oh, it's going to be so great. I'm going to do a TikTok where I show how to make meals from Aldi for $25. I cannot do it anymore. I do not know what I was eating back then. I wish I had. I didn't post on social media. Like none of that was like documented in the same way that I document things now. So I couldn't even tell you what those menus looked like. But I do remember one time I brought like a meal prep with me into a class and someone asked me where on campus I had gotten it. And that was just like the highlight of my week because they thought that I had like bought this meal somewhere. It was like a little Greek bowl. But definitely started the menu planning in college just kind of out of necessity or uh, sneakiness maybe because I wanted to pocket that extra money. And then now it's just such a part of my routine. I worked part-time job in college, so I realized that if I had my meals prepped and ready, then I could just bring them to work and I didn't have to spend my 15-minute break driving to McDonald's and back. I could just sit in the break room and like actually enjoy the meal I made for myself. So that just continued into adult life and especially working from home. I've only ever had work from home jobs. I had a hybrid position at one point where I would go in for a couple days of the week, but my lunch was usually already prepped from the dinner prior or something. So that didn't really change the meal planning process for me. But it's just, it's honestly such an ingrained part of me now that it's the only way I can really think to do groceries and eat. So actually, basically for, I guess I should explain what my menu planning is. I, every Sunday I'll sit down And I'll plan out usually Monday through Friday meals. The weekends are kind of wild cards. Sometimes I'll go out and get food out or I'll just kind of cook on the fly, find a new recipe night of. But I will plan out the full week of meals and I plan them according to my actual schedule for the week. So today I knew I had this recording at two. So I picked, I could have either had a meal already prepped from the day prior or I Today, I picked like a super easy 30-minute sheet pan lunch. So I plan my meals according to my schedule for the day. And then I plan my workout classes around that. It's just everything surrounds my weekly plan, but not in a super crazy regimented way where I I don't have like a Google calendar that's completely blocked off for every hour of the day of what I'm going to be doing. I kind of just plan general meal. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Do you think that explains it well? Yeah. So you have the day where you actually look at your schedule and then plan the actual menu. And then so what day are you grocery shopping? Sunday? On Sunday. Yeah. So I plan everything on Sunday and I try and get things that overlap. Like I said, so if I'm going to buy a red onion and a recipe calls for half of it, I mean, onions are pretty inexpensive. So that's maybe a poor example, but I'm going to try and find meals that use overlapping ingredients um so nothing not even on a food waste perspective more just like on a money hacking I want to spend the least amount on groceries possible because I want to spend that money on other areas okay so you have your menu that you planned out you go to the store you get everything are you like are you sticking to your menu? Are you like, oh my God, like these new cookies look good. Like these chips look good. Or are you like laser focused on what you're getting? When I was first um, managing like my first big girl income, 
I was such a stickler for not going off the menu, but now um, my financial picture has changed. So I do allow myself to kind of get those fun items every now and then, but I'm also not a big snacker. So if I buy a box of cookies on impulse, I'm going to have those for three or four weeks. It's going to take me a while to finish them. And I don't have a lot of pantry space. So maybe if I had a bigger pantry, I would be more of an impulse shopper. But I kind of reel that in. I'm not like a huge snacker. I like desserts, but I can also just get a pack of cookie dough and make one cookie a night. So yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm disciplined with the grocery store. And I don't go when I'm hungry. I try not to make that mistake. The one thing I impulse bought this week were a bag of apples. I was like, oh, Honeycrisp apples. That just sounds so good. And they're sneaky expensive. They're the best. Though. They're the <laughs> they're best apples. so good. They're the yeah. best. But I bought, I made the mistake. I didn't pick out my own apples. I picked one of those like sacks that they've already like pulled them out. I was like, I have a hands full. I'm just going to grab the sack. And then I got home and like four of them are rotten. And I'm like, wow. That, that'll teach me. I need to just pick out my own produce from now on. But that was my recent impulse buy and it bit me in the butt. So. And what are your favorite places to shop now? Trader Joe's and Whole Foods are my go-tos. Um, I do Trader Joe's first and there's certain things that I buy from either store and I've just, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just something I've learned over time. I've learned that I prefer the Trader Joe's sour cream to the Whole Foods. Like, it's just really random things that I just know I prefer from either store. I get the frozen rice from Trader Joe's. I get some, yes. And have you seen that um, Whole Foods has the same frozen rice, but it's under like a different label? Yes. It's like the same package. But then when you take out the frozen packets, you're like, "Mm, Trader Joe's has the same one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like $9 at Whole Foods, but like three at Trader Joe's. But yes. if Trader Joe's is out of stock, then I have a backup. But yeah, so I just kind of learned over time what things I prefer to buy from either store. There's really no rhyme or reason. I get a lot of my meats from Whole Foods just because I they have higher quality standards and stuff, and that's important yeah. to me. Um, same with produce. Majority of produce comes from Whole Foods, but then for some reason... Now I just know that I can never find baby bok choy at Whole Foods, so I got to buy it at Trader Joe's. I've just kind of learned along the way what things I get from either store. But yeah, primarily those two and Sprouts. I've recently become a huge Sprouts gal. I love Sprouts. Okay, send me your Sprouts recommendations. If you have any like niche Sprouts only stuff, um, I'm a fan. Sprouts has this new, I mean, I know you're not vegan, but they have a new line of these vegan cheeses that are so good. There's this one, it's called, it's like a vegan brie and it says on it, unbelievable. I don't, I don't even, I'll have to tell you, I'll have to link the brand in the show notes or something, but it says on it, unbelievable. And it's so good. I think it's made out of cashews, but that like, you can't find it at Whole Foods and it's like one of the best vegan cheeses. So if you're in like a dairy free mood, want to try vegan cheese, that's like one of the, one of the things you can't find at Whole Foods. But I agree, like, and I think this probably goes for everyone that you can't really get everything at one place like Trader Joe's has stuff Whole Foods has stuff that we then go to Sprouts um, and you kind of have to pick and choose where you find Mm -hmm. things but I feel like Trader Joe's it's a little trickier on the produce I find that a lot of their stuff is like bagged and prepared which can be really helpful but they don't have like a whole head of kale so if I if I don't want the kale to be cut up and pre-washed because what they do at Trader Joe's it's kind of silly they cut 
the kale up with the stems in it. Have you ever, this is like a niche thing yeah. to realize, but they like keep the stem and then it's like all hard and bitter where I like to kind of get the whole head of kale so I can strip the leaves off the stem. Um, so like I'll get my kale at a different grocery store, but I, I'm with you on the, I probably go to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods the most. Okay. So that's menu planning. And are you ever like lazy about it? Like, do you skip a week or this is like a non-negotiable? Oh yeah. I, I'll even plan into my menu a night that I'm going to go get Chipotle or something. Okay. Like I just already know, like uh, Wednesday night, Clara is not going to want to make dinner. So I'm already going to write in there that I'm going to get Chipotle. So that way I already know that. And I'm not double spending on produce and everything for Wednesday when I'm already going to eat out. Um, and I'm not like even a huge meal prep person. Like this is strictly like menu planning. So I, I don't really prep anything on Sundays. I don't even cut up. I guess I could do that and like save future Clara some prep time. But I literally only plan like the recipes and then get the ingredients. And then the day of I'm actually prepping and planning and like making everything. Um, so because of that, because it's not a prep situation where Wednesday I'm not going to want to eat the chicken, rice and broccoli. I just see how long the recipe takes and the reality of if I think I'm actually going to make it that night. And if not, then I'm just like, yeah, well, I'll eat out that night. But I notice you are a recipe girl and you do like to follow, like you have like the cookbooks that you always use, which you are on my PR list for getting a cookbook. So I'm so excited. Hopefully um, you'll get some use out of that. But do you have like favorite cookbooks that you just go to all the time? Yes, I was actually gifted for Christmas two years ago. I wish I had known back then like how instrumental this would have been to like my content, but I was given the first Define Dish cookbook, and that's just kind of been my Bible for cooking, if you will, because I am not necessarily a good cook in the sense of like freestyling a recipe. I, I don't really understand how a lot of spices interact with one another and you know, oils. And I don't know, I need to, I'm really good at following recipe. I could never develop one. That's what I always say. So I really cooked my way through that first defined dish cookbook. And I haven't really even used a lot of cookbooks. So maybe this is just a common thing with cookbooks, but Alex Snodgrass is the author and she has this section at the front of pantry staples. And it kind of says, before you even get into the book, this is stuff that I reference a lot. It's ghee, arrowroot, starch, um, avocado oil, just like a bunch of pantry staples that are pretty much in every single recipe, which I really appreciated because I felt like when I was trying to piece together recipes from Pinterest, more often I would be buying some really obscure spice or ingredient, and then I would be hard pressed to find another like usage for that. Right. So I would have just bought like a $7 bottle of like sumac or something and like not known what to use it in because I don't understand how to use that in other dishes. So something I really liked about her book was it was almost like a cooking class kind of. It was like a lesson because the more that I used the arrowroot starch throughout her recipes, the more I understood how I could use it myself if I wanted to like thicken a sauce. And I don't know, it was it was like a lesson. So now I think the more recipes that I followed, the more confident I am just kind of throwing something together and understanding like how different spices paired together can taste like taco seasoning when like I don't know what in my head what I thought taco seasoning was in my head but it didn't ever occur to me that I could mix 
six different spices and like get that flavor. Um, but the more that I follow recipes, the more that I feel confident and knowledgeable in piecing together my own meals. But I'm a huge recipe person, mainly just because um, throwing together your own dinner is honestly, at least in my experience, a risk. Like you're risking it not tasting good. So I'd rather spend maybe 20 extra minutes following someone else's recipe to a T, just knowing that it's actually going to be something I want to eat versus throwing something together for myself and being like, eh, it's food. Like, <laughs> it tastes like dinner, but not right. a dinner I'm, like, super excited to eat. It makes sense, though, because you're a planner and you want a certain outcome. And, like, if it's bad, that, like, doesn't fit within your schedule. And, like, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and also, it, I guess it would feel like wasted time. Like, I just spent 30 minutes on something that, like, doesn't even really satisfy, so. Right. Okay, so streamlining your life, that's menu planning. Let's move on to cleaning. What is your cleaning schedule? I, because I, I made the, I drew this parallel in the only other podcast that I've ever been on, Um is that I'm not necessarily like a clean person. You see me cleaning all the time online, but in order for there to be something to be cleaning must mean that I'm a messy person. So I'm not the type of person that if I take something out of the pantry or like out of my makeup bag or something, I don't put it right back. Like my brain doesn't work that way. I'm gonna use my foundation and then I'm gonna throw it down. I'm gonna already grabbing for the blush or the concealer. Um, so I kind of have to stop and clean up and that's why I kind of do my reset is because I'm not cleaning up after myself as I go. That's not in my nature, probably from childhood, just like a tornado running around. Um, I do get better about it and I, I do start to realize I feel more put together when I spend two minutes after my makeup, putting everything back away. But then sometimes I just walk out of the bathroom. So I, my routine is just a matter of how messy I was that week or that day Obviously, the kitchen, since I do cook so much, that's something that gets addressed daily. I kind of do this closing shift routine. I've kind of dubbed it just because of working in food service and retail. You know, everyone like you dread having to work the closing shift because everything from like the openers is left. But I will do like a closing shift on my apartment and clean the kitchen, run the dishwasher, switch any laundry. It's so funny. People are always saying that I'm doing so much laundry. Like I do a load of laundry a day and I don't do a load of laundry a day. There's just usually, usually something to do with the laundry. Like I'll put in a load of, I'll put in a load of laundry on Monday and then forget about it and switch it on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is the day I actually fold it. So I'm kind of just always cleaning and there's no set routine. It's just kind of whatever needs to be done. But there's a close every night you're like, okay, I have to reset my space and that way. I yes. like to do the same thing. The worst thing is waking up to a messy apartment. And especially if you're working from home, you like wake up, there's dishes in the sink, stuff's everywhere. It almost like it, for me, it even like gives me anxiety and I feel like I can't start working and, until my place is clean. So yes, I can understand yeah. you have like your nightly closing shift, but then Sunday you have more of like an in-depth cleaning. Yeah, Sunday is when I'll do, like, the full bathroom. Like, I'm not going to clean the bathroom without the week. Maybe I'll wipe down the counter, but I'm not going to do the toilet and the shower. Like, that's all Sunday stuff. And the closing shift is just more so – I think this is also something that came with age and just adulthood – is doing things that I don't have to do for the benefit of my future self because no one else is going to do it. It's not just going to miraculously do itself. Like your taxes aren't just going to do itself. So you pushing it off on your to-do list 
for five days or like weeks, the only person you're disservicing is yourself by not cleaning up after yourself after dinner. The only person you're disservicing is your future self. Like you're going to have to do that at some point. And yes, there's nights that I just like immediately, I'm like, not tonight, I'm going to bed. But just taking the 15 minutes or the 20 minutes at night to clean versus maybe, I swear it takes longer in the morning too. The 30 minutes out of my morning to clean, I just know that in the, I've been there in the morning cleaning one too many times to the point of why didn't I just do this last night? So I think it's just learning with age that if it's on the to-do list, it has to get done and I'm the only person addressing my own to-do list. So. A hundred percent. I agree. Next, I want to talk about your like workout and fitness schedule because you do it all. So how, how does fitness play a role in your life? How often are you working out? And like, how do you fit it in? I go through phases of fitness. I would say I'm like a fairly active person, but I'm definitely more in like my yoga, like workout class era right now. I use ClassPass, which I really, really love because are you familiar with ClassPass? Yeah. Okay. So I love it because you buy the credits and then you can spend the credits on workouts or you can spend it on a manicure or you're not locked into a gym membership where you're either working out and you're getting your money's worth or you're not. I really like with ClassPass, there's no commitment to being this like super active person. I think that also makes me more active with ClassPass because there's not this pressure looming overhead to go to the gym every single day. So I like look forward to scheduling those things more. So I, another Sunday activity that I like to do is I like to sit down and I like to plan out my workout classes, which are usually, usually through class pass. So right now I really like core power. Core power is like the first workout that, you know, those people that are like, oh, once you find a workout that you like, you will actually want to, I would always like want to slap those people. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, right. I'm never going to find a workout that I like. Not huge into spin. I'll take a spin class if it's themed around like fun music or something, but I'm not like diehard spin. I'm, I really liked solid core Pilates when I lived in Northern Virginia, but um, that's not available to me here. But core power is the first class that I've genuinely looked forward to going to and been almost, okay, not every time, but borderline a little disappointed when the class ends. I'm like, oh, it's over so quick. And I've never felt that way about a workout. So I think that plays such a huge factor. And if you just heard me say the whole find a workout you love, blah, 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 and you wanted to slap me like, no, seriously, keep trying workouts because, and that's what I like about class class too, is you can switch it up so often. So you're not locked into cycle. Like maybe you took your first cycle class and you loved it and they, they really got you with the marketing. So you signed up and now you have this three month commitment that you don't actually like. So that's why I like class passes because you can continuously try And it's not so much different workouts. You have to try different instructors or different times. Maybe I'm not a huge yoga in the evening person. I found that I like it more in the mornings. So there's just so many factors to finding like the perfect workout for yourself that I think once you find it, it's so much easier to incorporate into your schedule because you genuinely do want to incorporate it. And it's not just this dreaded check on your to-do list. So that's like my biggest thing with fitness. And it's something I'm, my relationship with, working out and fitness and all that is constantly evolving. Um, But yeah, it was honestly just, just such a game changer to find some sort of workout that I actually wanted to do. And do you, so you look at your week in advance and you're scheduling out all your workouts for the week, correct? 
Yeah, I normally schedule through Wednesday, and okay. then on, like, Tuesday, I'll kind of reassess. But I, I've i noticed that if I'm – if it's the night prior and I'm scheduling for the next day, like, I'm way less likely to actually schedule it. I, I have to think, like, further out because my to-do list isn't that far out yet. So if I am intimidated by something on my to-do list and I am – thinking I'm going to need more time to tackle it. Oh, I shouldn't schedule that 3 p.m. class because I'm not going to be done with that. Versus if that 3 p.m. class was already scheduled, I would have had to finish that other task in the time prior. So yeah, I try. The week would be great, but also something with ClassPass is if you do more like last minute scheduling, they're cheaper credits. So I could schedule it all out, but then sometimes if I just waited two more days, the 10 credit class might have dropped down to six credits and then I can like stretch and get more classes in the month. Do you want to shout out your class pass code? I don't have a class pass code. What? I know. I have the little link. I share my link that, I mean, anyone who makes a class pass account gets a little invite your friends link. Right. So I just share that link. Um, but yeah, I actually, which this is probably like the biggest influencer faux pas, but I would rather promote something completely free of charge for the brand than have to be locked into a contract. Even if I love the product, I could love your product so much. And if you say, hey, we'll pay you X amount to mention it three times a month. Mm, no, I'd ra- I don't know. I just don't like being under these posting obligations. And am I going to post it three times in the month? Probably. But even just having to add that little paid partnership disclosure, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's worth it to me. Like, I'd rather just continue to post this organically than be locked into, like, posting. Um, so I'm definitely – it's definitely a missed opportunity for me, definitely with ClassPass. But I just share my little friend's code. If anyone wants to go to my website or something and use my link, be my guest. But you'll love it regardless. Yeah. No, I don't think it's a missed opportunity. I think you're just sharing something that you, like, genuinely do in your own life and it's, like, super helpful to you and, like, you're just sharing it without any kind of, like, commitment or anything. Um, Okay. So it sounds like it's really instrumental for you to, like, have planned workouts in advance in your schedule. I think where people – because for me in the past, like, that's work too. I mean, obviously being pregnant working out has kind of just, like, been all over the place. But I think – making it a part of your schedule, just it makes sure that you actually get the workout done instead of like the day of being like, oh, okay, like what's my workout of the day? And then you just kind of are like, well, I'm busy with work and I'm doing this. And then it's the end of the day and you're like, I'm too tired to work out. I can't do it. And you just get involved in other things versus like actually making it a priority and making it a part of your schedule. Um, Okay. And then... I guess I want to end on like if you have like work from home productivity tips. I am a huge, I think it's called time batching. I'm a huge time batcher and you can get little timers for this or you can batch it out. Like I said, on your Google calendar or something, but I like to look at the task and say like, okay, this is going to take me an hour. This should reasonably not take me any longer than an hour. So By 3 p.m. or by 4 p.m., I need to be done with this. So I do that in so many areas of my life. I do it with my Sunday resets even. I'm like, all my cleaning has to be done in the time that it takes my sheets to wash and dry. And that's like a form of time batching. Um, I do this with music too. If I'm listening to maybe an album or a song or something even. Okay, I'm going to play my favorite playlist. I know there's 
or I'm going to play my favorite string of four songs. And by the end of the fourth song, my inbox needs to be emptied or something like that. I think there's so many different ways to track time throughout your day in like a time batching sense. So, or if you're the type that even likes to watch like Netflix or have like a show going in the background while you're working from home or something, you can say like, okay, by the time this episode is done, I need to have XYZ off my to-do list. So I really like time batching. And I think that if you first look into time batching, I think there's someone that invented it or coined it, but there's all these little block timers and stuff, but you can really just use anything in your life as like an increment of measurement, even, okay, before lunch, I need to have X, Y, Z done. And if you just hold yourself accountable to that, like you are time batching and I do that way more than I even realize. So that's a huge productivity thing for me. And then also the biggest productivity drain, I think for pretty much everybody would be my phone. And it's such a catch 22 because like, being on my phone is part of the tasks that I need to do, but it's so easy to get distracted. And for me personally, I've learned that I get so much done when I'm filming because my phone is in a tripod because I can't touch it. So because I'm filming that in and of itself is like locking up my phone and I'm doing the task and I can't get distracted because if I move my phone and I go touch my phone, I'm going to mess up the shot. And to me, that's like detrimental because then my edit is all messed up. So I have realized that filming is such a big way for me to just get off my phone and be more productive. And whether or not you create content or whether or not you have any intention of posting, I just think the best way to just heads down, get something done, especially if you're, I don't know, you could even be studying and just like have a glass of water or something, something that would be fun to watch a time lapse of. I think time-lapsing is such a big productivity hack. You just set up your phone and you film a time-lapse. And then at the end, you get this fun little video of something lapsing, you know, whether it's your water bottle draining or it's you running around your apartment cleaning or something. I just think locking your phone up with a time-lapse is the biggest productivity hack that I've ever found. And I film them all the time and I don't post them. Like I, um time-lapse myself doing an arm workout the other day and it was actually horrifying it was like you know because my arms are just flying around everywhere I was not about to post that but I just think time-lapsing and time batching are my biggest productivity hacks obviously besides like my menu and meal prepping because knowing exactly what I'm about to eat also helps me in my schedule throughout the day but yeah film a time-lapse next time you're doing anything just film it you don't have to post it just watch it back and even if you look like so funny like me doing my arm workout it's it's like rewarding to watch because someone you have proof that you did it at least I love that I feel like that's such a unique tip I feel like like I've I mean I think a lot of people time batch but I even like kind of giving yourself a little bit of like grace and being like okay like if you want to watch a show great but like maybe get three things done that you need to get done while you're watching the show. I think it's a good combination of someone who like wants to be productive, but they're feeling a little lazy or they like need some kind of stimulation in the background. Um, but I have to try the time-lapse thing. Especially if you get I distracted like by your phone, because then once if yes. I guess you would have to like a time-lapse. I just think they're so fun to watch at the end. So um, yeah, I just love, time lapses I'm obsessed with them I actually like told myself I needed to stop posting them because one time I looked at my Instagram story and it was all just time lapses of me doing random (laughs) random things but I feel like it actually it shows especially if you're doing something productive like let's say you are 
cleaning your kitchen and you just set up your phone, like seeing the before and after is just kind of fun. Even if you have no one to post it for, you're not going to share it with anyone. It's just for you. I feel like it's fun to see a little bit of a before and after. Um, Yeah. And especially tracking the time that tasks actually take you. It's shocking. Like you'll see, I'll have a mountain of dishes and I'm oh, that's going to take me 20, 30 minutes. And then I actually do them and I look at the clock and it's been six minutes. Yes. Yes. It does not actually take as long as you think. And the more that you realize that, the less you dread this task because you think it's going to eat up your whole evening, but it really doesn't. I actually Mm -hmm. noticed that too. And like, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I put off the things that literally are the easiest things ever. Like even like blow drying my hair before I need to film a video. I'm like, I've, like genuinely can't do this right now it takes me 10 minutes to finish like I let my hair air dry mostly so then like blow drying doesn't take that long literally 10 minutes and then I feel prettier I feel more put together I'm like ready to go but I just put it off same thing as like the dishes I'm like staring at the sink for three hours and then it takes 10 minutes to actually do the task so I think there's a lot to be said for like understanding actually how long a task really takes yeah. Is there like a planner that you like or use? Like, are you using a written one? You're using your phone? I kind of go back and forth between digital planning and physical planning. I am a huge notes app girl. Like, I don't care if my camera roll gets exposed. I care if my notes app gets exposed because there is so many random little to-do lists and stream of consciousness thoughts that I've had. I dump everything into my notes app. So a lot of people don't know this, actually. I think it's becoming like a more commonly known thing. But in your notes app on your iPhone, you can make a checklist and it'll put little bubbles. And not yes. a lot of people know this because I've shown screenshots before and people are like, oh, my gosh, how do you add that? It's the you best add. Yes. And you can like click things off like you would on a paper to do list or a post it note or something. So I love using my digital like that's kind of my version of digital planning I'm not like a notion girl or like a planning app or like an iPad planner if I'm using my iPad I'm using the notes app on it um so I'll have pinned notes that I kind of add to every single day and then I'll just have my stream of consciousness notes in the rest of my folder um but I really like the checklist there and then anything that goes in my paper planner is like more set in stone so because it's so easy to type something different or cross something out or change it in notes but it's not necessarily on a paper planner The only things that I really put in my paper planner are things that are totally set in stone. Um, Like these deadlines are not shifting or anything because I just hate the look of when things have to get crossed out and it gets all confusing for me. But the paper planner I'm using right now is from, gosh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. I believe it's called Papier or Papier. Um, But their planner is so good. I like undated planners because like I said, I'll go through phases of using a paper planner. So if I buy one, that has a page for every single day of the year and I don't use 50 of the pages. I'm just like, oh, that was a waste. Now I have to tear these out or something. Um, so I like my PPA planner because it's undated, but there are still, I, I tagged them in an Instagram story. I was like, there's still a couple of things I would change about this. So let me know if you want to design a planner together. But I do really like undated planners just because you have more flexibility and you're not planning. Like I never plan my Saturday or my Sunday. So there's two pages that's already wasted and a traditional planner. But I don't really do monthly overviews. I just really do day-to-day type planning and then 
brain dumps in my notes app, which is very, I feel like you would expect me to have a very streamlined Google calendar or something, but I'm actually like organized chaos when it comes to my own personal stuff. Yeah, but I feel like organization is so personal to like how your brain works and like you have to do what works for you. And like maybe someone else needs like a color coded Google calendar that's completely planned out and their weekends are planned out. Um, or maybe they have like this crazy dated written planner that works for them. So I think, you know, I think it's important to note that like that works for you, but maybe like you have to kind of try different things, a little trial and error about like what actually keeps you organized. Um, I agree with you though, that the checklist on the notes app is the best. I use it a lot for groceries and grocery shopping so that I can just like, I have my phone at the store and then I can check things off as I, as I go grocery shopping. And the best thing too, I don't know if you do this, but like you can share the note with someone else. So I'll like make a grocery list. And then if my husband's going or something, I'll share the note with him so that he can see the grocery list that I wrote. And then I can like see if he's like crossed things off or whatever. It's like a Google doc almost that you can share. Yeah, I have quite a few shared notes, but my biggest hesitation with hiring or like having anyone work with me or for me, like helping edit or do any sort of content stuff is just honestly because of how much of an organized chaos I am when it comes to my own planning. I'm like, I just feel bad subjecting anyone (laughs) to trying to understand this. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like you would be a pleasure to work for. Like you have so much more organization than most people out there that I'm sure you'd be a great boss. Um, But this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everyone find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Clara Pierce. It's P-E-I-R-C-E. And then my TikTok is Clara R. So I don't know why I had to throw my middle initial in there and mess it all up. I also have a website, just my full name.com. And where else am I? Oh, I'm on YouTube too. My YouTube, I kind of feel like my YouTube is like my close friend story because it's the smallest audience I have. So I feel like we're more like tight knit and I, I get more chatty there just because I feel like it's like a little, little girls group over there. Amazing. Well, yeah, I'll link all of that in the show notes and yeah, thank you so much and we'll talk soon. So nice. Thanks for having me.